Welcome back, everybody, to the Leadership School podcast. I'm your host, Kyla Kofer, and I'm here today with guest Mitch Gray. So Mitch and I are talking today about what it looks like to hire the right people for your team. So if you're a leader, small business owner, you're ever struggled with making sure you're surrounded by the right people, this is the episode for you, and you're going to want to listen with the people around you. So make sure you share right away, listen to it, and swap ideas and thoughts with the people on your team. We are going to talk about some really nitty-gritty details on how to exactly hire the right people, but there's a little bit of a twist. It's not just how you want to hire the right people, but what kind of company and team are you creating? You want to listen to all the way to the end because right at the end, you're going to get two ideas for what you can do tomorrow to go out and hire the perfect people for your team. Can't wait for you to listen and enjoy this episode with me. Please welcome Mitch Gray to the Leadership School podcast. Welcome to the Leadership School podcast. I'm your host, leadership and self-care coach, Kyla Kofer. Here at the Leadership School, you'll hear leaders from around the world sharing their stories and expertise on how to lead with balance and integrity. Our goal teach you how to be an extraordinary leader. Mitch, I just first want to say thanks so much for joining me on Leadership School. Um, welcome. And I, I'm really excited about our conversation. So thanks for being here. Yes, thank you. I'm excited as well. I've been looking forward to this. So yes. Same, same, same. Um, it's really great because I met you. Be- I love telling people how I, I met my guests, but somebody had asked me specifically to do an episode on hiring because that's a really big challenge that leaders have in um, organizations is hiring people. And so they asked specifically about um, talking about that topic. And then that same exact day, you reached out to me and said, Hey, I talk about hiring. And I thought, well, I think that we should have a conversation. And we did and we um, got along great. And I really love the, the things that you have to say. So why don't you just jump in and tell us a little bit about yourself and the things that you talk about, and we will just go straight in. So first of all, let me just say, um, isn't it crazy how the universe just works? It's like, I have this idea, things keep happening, opportunities keep arising, and then people randomly show up out of nowhere, seemingly nowhere. <laughs> it's just kind of crazy how, how all of that works out. It's amazing. I've been thinking lately about how everything is really connected and how ev- everything yes. is connected. And so when this stuff happens, it's just that reminder of, yes, we are we are all connected. It's really cool. It's funny you use that statement because that is one of my favorite statements. Everything is connected. Nothing is separate. And gosh, we just, we want to control everything. I know I'm getting a little off subject from your question, <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> like it's it. almost miraculous to me. I love, I, I love using that word miraculous because it truly is. And you know, the greatest moments of my life have happened when I just kind of relinquished control and thought, okay, it's going to be what it is. And I'm just going to show up every day and let's see where the ride takes. Those are the best moments in life. So why we don't do that more often, I have no idea. It's just, it's within our DNA to control things, I guess. I don't know. It is what it is. But anyway, we are here and it is beautiful. I do want to tell your listeners that we are old school today. We're not using video. And so, um, but it's going to be great. Yeah, we are. We had some tech issues and everything, but 
but I agree when you were talking about miraculous and and how we do have this this issue to this issue this like tendency to control things. Um, I'm thinking about my own life and how like yeah. you know the times when I haven't controlled things, I really have. You're right. I have just felt better, but it is hard to stay in that state of letting letting things yeah. just kind of flow because. But also, I, I I don't know, like, I, we can be off topic here for a second, because I, I think it's a good topic. You know, I think because of the effort that we make, and when we're intentional about stuff, we do set ourselves up so that when we are relaxed, things can come in. But if we haven't set those things up, then, you know, the universe doesn't have anything to work with. <laughs> so I think, I don't know, you, both of them are important. Yeah, and there's a there's a, a huge difference though in intentionality and control. You know, the yeah. intentionality of saying I am going to show up with my full presence is very different than saying I'm going to show up and things have to go exactly the way I want. Mm, yes. One is um, I have a friend that calls it living with open hands, open heart. One is a very open hands, open heart, open eyes, open spirit, open mind. The other is, I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and come hell or high water, this is going to work out. Those are two incredibly different ways of living life. And in my opinion, one way leads to great frustration and the other leads to great reward. And mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we're talking about is that reward that we get when we simply show up and put it out that this is our desire, this is our gratitude, this is our presence, and then receive, because let's be honest, the, the things we receive from that perspective are so much better than, than anything else we could have contrived better. But it's having that open heart and open mind to receiving what's coming our way. And that is such such an amazing thing. And I also just want to tell your listeners, you and I's first conversation kind of went this way as well. We just dove right in. And this is the best, by the way. This is the best. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. I remember that conversation where it went a lot longer than we had planned it because we just kept talking. (laughs) Right. It's like, yeah, we'll do a 30-minute discovery call an hour and a half later. Oh, my. We discovered some stuff. And that was awesome. (laughs) Okay. Back to your question 10 minutes ago. (laughs) <laughs> that question was a little bit more about me. So uh, I'll give you the vocal bio. Um, I am a small business leadership uh, consultant and a keynote speaker and author and podcaster. Um, I am a creator uh, at heart. And there's nothing more in life I enjoy doing than inspiring others to step into their own greatness, do what I call deeper living. So what that looks like now is it looks like inspiring small business leaders to understand the art of recruiting people that align with their organization, to understand the power of developing great teams, to understand and set up systems of development, to develop the people within their teams, uh, to develop great leaders, to design culture that is founded on uh, inclusion that is founded on a solidity of the human spirit, that is founded on diversity of thought, diversity of humankind, um, diversity of idealism. And so, you know, really when, when, when you can enter the conversation, especially with business leaders, 
about this idea that A, it doesn't just have to be you making all the decisions. B, the more people you welcome to the table, the more powerful your organization can become. And C, when you bring other ideas and you receive and accept those ideas, it actually equips you to build a more sustainably successful uh, organization and business. And the great thing is about all that, when a, when a leader takes the risk of pushing away their own pride and insecurity and steps into those conversations, they're more, you know, what I told someone yesterday, it's incredible about small business owners, especially they began a business because they were passionate, but because they don't necessarily understand how to build business, they soon lose that passion. And so I really view myself as the person that helps people unearth their passion once again. Mm. And that begins with who you surround yourself with. You can have the greatest product in the world. If you don't have people, you're not going to have anything. You can have the greatest people in the world. And if you have an average product, but you empower your people, you will now have the greatest product in the world. And so nothing can take the place of the human element of business. And so, uh, so that's what I do. I wrote a book about it. Um, I have a podcast about it. We're actually starting another show. Uh, that might we're actually in negotiations with a regional radio station to do a live radio show about how to hire and keep great people. And so uh, things are things are really happening because I think this is a message. I know it's a message that is resonating with so, so many people. Uh, and the crazy thing is that so much of this is very simple. It's just a matter of does one have the courage to be OK with the simplicity of these strategies that I love to teach? And they're nothing new. Um, in fact, to be totally honest, I sold 90% of the stuff from other people over the years. <laughs> and I think that's how all information is, right? Nothing is really new. Someone once said there have been no new ideas since Socrates. <laughs> but, okay, well, maybe there have been a few, right. but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're all inspired from something else, right? They're all inspired from something else. And so, yeah. They are. Um, so you have just said a lot that I want to unpack here. Um, before I do that, what is the name of your book and your podcast? Yes. So my podcast is The Mitch Gray Show. And my book is How to Hire and Keep Great People. And I want to let people know now before I forget, and I'm sure you'll put some show notes. Um, we have a great new website, recruitgreatpeople.com. And I'm telling people about that because there's so many uh, amazing free resources on that website. There's also opportunity on that website to sign up for my uh, weekly How to Hire and Keep Great People newsletter. And I want to tell people that because as we have updates, as this new uh, live call-in show happens, I want people to stay up to date with what's happening. Uh, and that's the best way to do that. We also have a How to Hire and Keep Great People curriculum. And that's available on the website as well. So lots and lots of, of resources for people to really dig into this, this uh, subject. Yeah, a ton of amazing resources. So um, thank you for sharing that. And um, let's get into some of those right now. Um, the word that you mentioned that you mentioned two words that really stuck out to me while you were talking, and um, they both start with C, courage and culture. You said, you know, it's about having the courage mm -hmm. to see how simple it is, which is a lot of what we were talking about at the beginning of our show of, you know, having that courage to um, let let things happen as they need to, but really just showing up with, with your courageous self. Um, but also we, you talk about culture a lot. So um, let's just talk about both of these. Let's, let, let's talk about that courage piece just a little bit, but I really, really want to talk about this culture because I want to get into hiring culture and what that looks like. But I mean, when you're thinking about courage, um, 
tell me more about what you see that being in a leadership role um, as you're hiring people, as you're building a small business. What does it look like to show up with that courage to build something new? Yeah. So everything I talk about, I base it on what, what I call human behavior. And the reason I say that is all of my content can be applied uh, across any industry. I, I had a guy that was on my advanced reader team for uh, the book, How to Hire and Keep Great People. This guy doesn't, doesn't really own a business, doesn't, isn't, isn't necessarily, he, he's an entrepreneur of sorts, um, but doesn't own a business, doesn't have a team. And as he was reading through the book, he sent me a message and he goes, Mitch, this is crazy because this is stuff that I can apply to being a better dad. And that really meant a lot to me because that's the whole essence of everything I talk about is it doesn't just make you a better leader. It doesn't just help you hire better employees. It actually makes you a better human. And my idealism is the more we can become uh, better within ourselves, higher quality people, deeper living people, that then inspires great change in everything else that we do. Mm. And I bring that up with courage because the most courageous thing that any of us do is get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, that's true for me because that's the hardest part of my day. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Like, yeah, for those of us that aren't morning people, it's really courageous. But I mean, if you think about it. It really is. Yes, yes. We're, we're getting out of bed and... You know, we, we get dressed in the in what we think is, you know, our, our best self. And then we go out and face what I call the big world. And when you, when you stop to think about how many opportunities of danger are facing every corner, <laughs> it's like I could, uh, you know, just things happen in life. And so I really believe the most courageous thing we do is just to simply get out and present ourselves to the world. The next most courageous thing we do is to engage with other humans. <laughs> because right? Oh my gosh. That, that, that is not an easy task. People are so different. And, and especially depending on your personality, you know, if you're introverted or um, extroverted. But yeah, to, to have those interactions, it is a, a level of courage, especially if you're approaching someone who's very different in their opinions and their beliefs from you. You know, you and I have um, talked about this before when that initial phone call that went on forever because we have a very similar background in religion and we both re- left those mm-hmm. religious backgrounds for some reason or another. And, and and I have these conversations a lot with people who have left their um, childhood religion about, um, you know, you it is courage to show up and interact in those spaces because your opinions have changed and they're different. But that was still the culture that yes. you know and you grew up with. So that that is just really, really true of how it does take courage to interact with other humans. And <laughs> it yes. takes effort. And sometimes it takes a whole lot of patience. Yeah, and so and and you tie and that's exactly right. And you tie that to, um, I'm a business leader or an artist or whatever. I've created whatever this thing is, and all of a sudden I am offering it to the world. I'm laying my heart out through my passion or through my risk. You know, some business business owners they've they've wiped out their whole life savings or they've done all they can to get other investors to invest. They're dealing with other people's resources or uh, they've asked their, their family to come alongside them. Whatever that is, when you talk about A, the courage to get out of bed, B, the courage to engage with others, and then all of a sudden the courage to go, I have something I want to share with the world and I'm risking 
all of my resources and asking others to do the same. Oh my gosh, you talk about the, the, the precipice, the razor's edge of courageous living. But where most people drop the ball and lose focus is they forget the larger picture of that courage. And they begin only focusing on the functionality of day-to-day existence. But when you only focus on the functionality of day-to-day existence and you don't lift your eyes toward the passion that brought you to where you are, that's when stress takes over. It's when doubt takes over. It's when all of these struggles that are self-imposed begin to take over because we lose sight of the hope and the passion that led us to that place of courage in the first place. And so I don't believe people actually lose courage. I believe people actually lose sight of courage. Mm, yeah, it's a perspective. Yes. When you look at it at from I've shifted my perspective, I haven't lost anything. I've just lost my focus. Then what that tells me is we can regain that. And sometimes regaining that, though, to, you know, it's almost like we took five years off from the gym and we gained 15 pounds and we know we're out of shape. We know we can get back into shape. But the first courageous step is to get focused on that and then be to walk through the door of the gym again. But once you come in contact with that hope that you had before, you can go places you've never been. And so when we talk to leaders about courage, it's not about finding courage again. It's about simply shifting your eyes, your focus, your perspective, and rekindling that fire that once burned within you. Because people don't just get up one morning and go, I'm going to start a business. Like, like that doesn't happen. People put a lot of thought and resources into this, and while they should. And so courage is such a pivotal piece in uh, making substantial change. And, and any type of change is a process. It, like you said, you don't just wake up in the morning and you you all of a sudden you're starting a business. I mean, that's those are rare stories that you might hear about. Someone woke up in the morning and just had this bright idea or had this moment, you know, of, of something. Yeah. And, or just like you don't go to the gym one day. <laughs> I wrote about this the other day about how <laughs> you, you, you go to the gym and you're like, hopping on the scale when you get home and like, have I lost all the weight that I, that I thought that I was going to after one one visit to the gym, you know, everything I'm strong again after I haven't been in three years. You know, it's funny. We have this idea that we want instant results for things, but things really are a process. Hey, one of my goals here at the Leadership School podcast is really to provide you with a lot of resources that can really enhance your leadership. And one resource that I found recently is the Humanitarian Entrepreneur Podcast. So I wanted to refer you to go check them out. What the Humanitarian Entrepreneur is doing is they're talking about what does it look like to do good in the world, but not exhaust yourself and burn yourself out and not be completely broke. You know, can you invest in yourself? Can you be an entrepreneur, but also change the world? And how do you do that? Well, so go check it out. Let us know what you think. I think it's a really great resource and really believe that you're going to benefit from it. So let's transition that to talking as we're talking about process. When you have started that small business, you are leading the way in your company here and you're trying to start something new. You're working um, to create something. And one important piece of that is culture. So when we're considering creating this culture around us, what are some things that we need to think of? What what perspectives do we need to have to keep us focused where we want to go? 
Yeah, I'm going to take your statement a step further. And I'm actually going to say culture is the single most important element of what you're building. You know, culture is what permeates through everything. And it's it's really funny because it took me about two and a half years or so to ruminate on this, on my, on my book, How to Hire and Keep Great People, because, you know, I, I really wanted the message to resonate about culture. And as I was thinking a couple of years ago, I thought, man, how crazy is it that if I wake up and I'm like, okay, I want to start a new business. I come up with a business plan. You know, I, I go find financial resources, whatever way that looks like. And I get everything ready to open the doors if it's a brick and mortar or to build a website, but whatever, whatever avenue I'm taking, I do everything to jumpstart my business except the most important thing. And that is how do I want to really exist? within this ecosystem. I like to define culture as the way we live, move, and exist. It's our being. And so we do the finances, we get the product, we have all this knowledge, we're ready to launch, but we haven't identified how we truly, if you remove the product, if you remove the money, if you remove the tech, if you remove the brick and mortar, why do you exist? And that is culture. But rarely do people truly focus on the why. How is that different from like your mission statement, your values? Are they, is this one the same? Is this a separate thing? Because when you say how and why we exist, the first thing I think is like, okay, what's my mission and what's my list of values? Yeah. So to put it as simple as possible, a mission uh, statement, purpose statement, values are simply the manifestation in word of your culture. Okay. So in other words, it's a way to explain and advertise what you really, why you really exist. Um, and it's asking questions like, how are we going to treat our customers and clients? Um, how do we want to treat our team when we begin hiring people? What type of people do we want from a presence energy standpoint? Who do we want representing us? How do we want to represent ourselves? And if you notice, I'm asking all these questions and none of them have to do with talent, skill, product, strategy. They're all just basic human essence questions that says, who am I and who am I going to surround myself with? And how am I going to treat other people? But what we see is far too many organizations never ask or respond to those questions. And we know that by the way they treat others. They turn and burn employees because they don't hire the right employees for their organization in the first place. They have a lack of clarity on why they exist. So they have no idea who to hire. And once they do hire people, they have very little to no strategy on how to develop those people to become A, better humans and B, greater employees. And then most business leaders have very little or limited broader view of the world at large. What role are they playing in the community? What role do they want to play in the community? How do they want to bring their essence to the table of building their local community? All of that is this culture. And what employees tell us survey after survey for the past 40 years is the reason they stay at a place is because they feel like it's larger than themselves and they feel like they have opportunity. The reason they stay at a place is because they're treated kindly with respect. They're treated with honor. They're treated with um, opportunities to not only grow personally, but to grow professionally. And it's amazing to me how many surveys employees will bring up. We wish we did more in the community as a company. Hmm. And so money and benefits is very rarely in the top five. It's the story. 
People yes. want to be attached to a story. And we've yes. talked about this in um, a previous episode of this podcast is, is really just what story are we telling as a, a company and organization, as a leader? What story are we telling other people? And are we bringing people along in that story? And so when you're coming, when you're thinking about this company culture that you're creating, it's what story are we telling internally and externally? What that we're sharing with our clients, but also that we're sharing with our, co- our coworkers, your contractors, um, just anybody who's engaging yes. with us. It's, it's what kind of culture are we creating? And so when we're saying culture, we're saying it's the, it's the way, yeah, like your values, your mission, but it's the, what someone feels when they walk in the door or on the zoom call, you know, it's how that person is treated and respected and, um, And you know that like you can, you can go to certain companies and be like, I want to go to that restaurant because of how I feel. I don't want to go to that restaurant because of how I feel, you know, you, you can feel those things when you walk in by the visual, by the, just the breath almost of, of the air in you, you can, you can feel those things. Culture is what I call the DNA of an organization. It is the very fiber of your being. The manifestation of that DNA is the energy. Um, I'll give you an example. A co- earlier in the week, um, on, on Monday or Tuesday, I don't remember what day of the week it is right now, honestly. I think it's Thursday. Earlier, a few <laughs> days ago, I was talking with a client and uh, they just hired a few new uh, kind of general manager positions. And so I'm helping them do some training to really, we're, we're basically having to rebuild everything they've done for the past 50 years, by the way. So we're really helping them redesign culture, structure, strategy. And so I'm working very closely with their their new management team. And I just asked one of the managers the other day, I said, how do you feel when you come to work? And they said, it's not fun. Everyone dreads it. This is a manager, mm-hmm. a new manager, nonetheless, who has immediately felt the negative toxic energy. And so it's like, okay, your word story is the exact word. Are we listening to the story people are telling us? Are we listening to the story of the passion that led us to begin this business in the first place? And when you lose sight, that's why I believe it's so critical before you do anything financially, before you do anything with your brick and mortar or your, or your uh, virtual structure, I believe that once you have this dream of a new business, the first thing you do is design your culture. And you leave a little bit of room in that design. So as you start bringing more voices to the table, they can have input. It's not a dictatorship. It's a community. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, like a living, breathing thing, like a plant, you know, it's going to grow and it's going to change and it might look different, but. So I would love to hear like, okay, let's get really practical for our listeners who are thinking, okay, great, but this is all good info. But how, what do I actually do with it? So like how, let's say someone's had a business for two, three years and they, they're working on this. Um, what does it look like to set this up? Make sure that we're building this company culture. How do we actually build it? And part of that is going to be in the people that we hire. So how do we hire people who fit that culture? How do we know what questions to ask? How, what kind of people are we looking for? Is it something that you just know, or like you have to trust, you know, you, you might have two interviews with somebody or check their LinkedIn page, but like how, how do we actually do (laughs) right? Right. So I want to go, I want to go back to your word story because, because I do believe that's a very powerful word. And and when we're talking, I'm going to give you a little bit of a twofold answer and I'm going to, and and then I'm going to give you some practical steps. Number one, when you're designing culture, you do want to ask, what story do we want to live and what story do we want to tell? I think those are two different things. Um, I can tell a story and live something differently in the shadows. 
So I want to define how we're going to live and be present, but also how we're going to speak that story and tell that story. The second thing you have to remember with culture is this story that you're creating, that you're both living and telling, is actually going to uh, help you develop alignment from your product to your service to your to your client base to who you're going to hire. And so now I'm going to shift to hiring. One more note on culture. If someone is listening and they have a business that's been in existence, they really want to focus on culture either to review or to redesign. Make sure, my advice always is, create a culture team. Have yourself, have a few other people on your team. Make sure you're not doing it alone at that point. Now, if you're, if you're truly beginning something from scratch, there may be some alone time. But if you already have a team, then take a few of those people that you really enjoy their energy, you enjoy what they bring to the table, and create a culture team. And then you can work through some other questions to go from there. So let's go from the story and alignment to hiring. The first step for anyone, when you're getting ready to hire, or maybe, again, you're re-strategizing, create your perfect team member persona. So it's just like in Marketing 101. In Marketing 101, what do you do? You create your perfect client. What kind of car do they drive? Where do they live? What do they look like? Where do they shop? Where do they eat? You ask all of these questions. Any marketing firm, that is the first step they're going to take you through. We're going to apply the same principle to hiring our team. Awesome. And that's going to become our perfect team member persona. Now, obviously, it's going to deviate a little bit. You need some flexibility there. But the point of this is, if you play a game of darts and you don't have a bullseye, you'll never hit it. If you play a game of darts and you have a bullseye, you're not going to hit it every time. But once you practice over and over again, you'll become more efficient and you'll hit it more often than not. Sure. And so by creating your perfect team member persona, you're actually taking away the gamble and the risk. And you're asking questions like, where does my perfect team member shop? What books do they read? What movies do they like? Where do they drink coffee? Where do they hang out? You know, all these questions that you can just begin asking and get, have fun with it, get creative with it. And actually, I know companies that have actually designed and printed out again, much like in marketing 101, they're perfect, you know, a, a big fat head on the wall of their perfect team member. And, and that really gives you a focus. How do you do this when um, it's, it's really important to also have diversity, equity, inclusion. So when you're doing that, but also keeping in mind that you don't want to have a whole company of everybody that looks the same and acts the same, it's also sometimes important to surround yourself with people who are different than you because you don't need a whole bunch of you running around running a company. You need people to fill in those gaps. Yes. So we talked about developing a culture team. Um, if you can, that's where a culture team really helps with accountability. If you look around the table and everyone looks like you, you've messed it up big time. <laughs> yeah. If you look around the table and you have a variety of representation, not only in ethnicity, race, gender, age, demographic, but you, ha- you, you, you also have diversity in idealism, passion, creativity, then you're really hitting the mark. Now, notice when you're creating your perfect team member persona, you're not necessarily creating ethnicity, gender, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What you're creating is the perfect energy. Likes, The dislikes. perfect storyteller. Yes. So let's go even further. And people who are going to be passionate about what you're yes, doing. Yes, yes, yes. Let's go even further. When we talked about human behavior, there are certain traits, uh, habits, thoughts that really highly successful people have. 
across all ethnicities, all genders, all cultures. When they do studies on the highest performing humans on earth, they all have similar traits. And so that's what we're identifying. What type of traits do we want our perfect team member to have? And I'll take that even further. When you're talking about leadership development and you're talking about developing the people within your team, you're also going to identify your perfect leadership persona. What traits does this person bring to the table? Work ethic, interest, passions, initiative, idealism. And when you can begin really specifying those traits and identifying those traits, A, you become more clear on who aligns with your organization and culture. And B, you soon start finding out where to find them. And so, you know, you alluded to posting it on LinkedIn, going searching. My argument always is that if I know who I'm looking for, I can discover where to find them. And if I can discover where to find them, I can watch them work. And if I can watch them work, I'm going to actually see their resume come to life. And when I do that, I have a much higher success rate in bringing people aboard because I've mitigated almost every single one of the risks. Yeah. And you know, even I think talking about that, though, makes me think that some people you would be more willing to take a risk on because you have seen what they can do. Like, I mean, I'm thinking back to my very first job when I got hired right out of college and the company that it was a nonprofit, they hired, I've actually interviewed on this podcast, both of the people who hired were involved in hiring me, which is funny. That was a long time ago too. They, um, <laughs> they had one rule and in hiring and it was to never hire someone directly out of college. Well, they hired me like three months out of college. And I thought, well, why would they break this rule? And um, they had never seen me work. They couldn't see those things, you know, but, you know, I couldn't tell you whether I was the perfect fit for that job or not, but I was because they hired me. So I guess I was, but they had seen some of the stuff that I did, but also they knew the kind of person that they wanted in that job. And they knew the culture of the person that they wanted to bring in. So it made sense. So I'm thinking, as you're saying that you can mitigate risks, but I think it's, you're more willing to reach out on a limb for somebody when, because you can know a little bit more about the character of the person that you're bringing in. Yes. That that's the most important thing to have clarity on. And notice in our whole conversation, we haven't talked about skills, talent, qualifications. Because to me, when we're talking about building a great team, those are actually lowest lowest on the priority list. Now, I get it. Some industries, you have to have certain certifications, education, et cetera, et cetera. But 90%, 90% of the organizations that exist don't have to dance within those certifications, education, et cetera. Most of the stuff, most of the jobs that most people are doing are trainable skills. They're teachable skills. And so if you if you hire high quality... You could always train hard skills. Yes, that's exactly right. And if you can find high quality people that you know are going to align with your culture, everything else works out. And what's crazy is, again, going back to all the surveys from the last four decades, we know that when we hire someone high quality, high character that aligns with our organization, our culture, and then we invest in them to teach them, they're actually going to respond with giving more to our organization because we've invested in their opportunity. And so why more companies don't get that, I don't understand. You know, I told someone um, actually in Europe, I was visiting with a, a, a small um, boutique company uh, a couple of months ago, and 
And she was trying to hire some people. So what are you hiring for? And she goes, well, I'm hiring for a graphic designer. I said, do you know how much it costs to actually get a graphic designer course and teach them? And she said, I don't know, probably like 1500, 2000 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, that's really, really inexpensive when it costs you $4,000 to hire someone. So my point to that is if I can hire the right person and bring them on and invest another 2000 in them to become my best graphic designer and not have to hire someone else for five years, isn't that better than hiring five people at $4,000 every transition? Right. And, and when you do that for somebody, they feel part of something. It's part of, again, that story. They're part of that story and they're going to stick around because they love you and you love them. Yes. And, and that right there is what ends up changing the world. Because if we are bringing people in and we can stay together and work together, um, that's more sustainable. And we all know that change is an immediate. We've already talked about that. But if we want great things to happen in the world and change to happen, it takes time. And how do you do that? By getting the same people on board who can sustain something for a long period of time. And when they're part of that story and you're part of their story, there's a greater chance that you guys can work together for a long time. I have, I have never witnessed or experienced investing in someone at a great level where the return on investment wasn't a thousandfold. It just doesn't, it doesn't, again, human behavior doesn't work that way. When you invest one in someone at that level, they are going to respond with greatness over and over and over again. And so again, why more companies are paying attention to that? I, I truly, it, it baffles me quite frankly, because just from a sheer, let's just go back to the basics of finances. From a sheer uh, revenue profit cost standpoint, it's going to cost you much less to actually pay for people's training and skills, but have great people than it is to hire the wrong people who have the qualifications you think you need. That is, that is never sustainable and it doesn't work. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Since you've listened this far, it tells me you're really enjoying the content. And I'm so, so grateful. I work really hard to bring you some awesome resources to help really enhance your leadership game. If you're liking this, can you pause really quickly, make sure you're subscribed, but then also share with one person or more people who you think could really benefit from the content. My goal is to really bring this into some of the top podcasts on leadership in the world. And you can help get there and help us grow by sharing this with everyone you know. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're enjoying the episode. Well, let's talk about what those fears might be, because I'm thinking, um, you know, the the objections that are coming to my mind are, okay, well, what if they make two years worth of mistakes? It's mistake after mistake. I don't have the patience to train them. I don't have the energy to teach them. Um, I, I have invested time in, in teaching them and they're just not picking up on it, you know, um, or we thought this was a good fit and we were wrong. So what do we do now? So there's a couple different things in there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I'll start with your first one. If you have clarity on your culture, on your alignment, on the character and integrity of the people you're hiring, you are going to hire the right people nine times out of 10. I can think about just in my personal experience, I've had well over 7,000 employees across my years. When I understood those elements, I, I, you just, you rarely miss it. I mean, you just do. It's just, it's just how it works. And so to me, that's, a, that's a, that's a reason I'm actually going to call it an excuse that people give. And I hear it often, but the only people that give that excuse are the people that have no clarity on who they're supposed to be hiring. And they have very little clarity on their culture. 
Now let's go to the time excuse, because I hear that often as well. In fact, quite often when I teach recruiting strategies, um, most of the strategies I teach are very hands-on. And oftentimes owners, hiring leaders will say, Mitch, I don't have time. So then my rebuttal is, oh, so tell me how your recruiting strategies are going right now. Well, we can't find people. Okay, but you don't have time to try a new strategy that I've personally used. I know thousands of other people that have used. And guess what? It worked. And so it's like, okay, do you really not have time? What I told someone this morning, actually in another conversation was, when leaders tell me they don't have time, what I believe they're actually telling me is they don't know how, and they're, they're a little bit too insecure to ask to learn. They have time. And my rebuttal often is, you don't have 30 minutes a week to learn a new recruiting strategy and put it into practice. I guarantee you, if I looked at your social media activity inventory, you could remove 30 minutes a week from your social media activity and put that into your recruiting activity, and you would have 30 minutes a week. And so again, it's just about priority. But I like my social media time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. But it's about priority. And that's that courage. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really the courage to say what we're trying isn't working. So are we going to be the ones that continue doing the same thing over and over and over and getting the same results that, by the way, aren't working? Or are we going to have the courage to go, I want to try something new and I want to give it a shot because I'm worth it. And that, to me, I told you in the beginning, I, I always start with this deeper part. To me, it, it does have everything to do with that worthiness. Are you worth it? Are your people worth it? And that's a really big question. And I always like thinking too, well, you know, if what you're doing isn't working and you're afraid this other way won't work, well, you, it's not working anyways. So it doesn't hurt to try something else because if it doesn't work, you could still try something yeah. else. But this other way, you know, We've seen work, so maybe maybe <laughs> working with an expert who could give you some really good advice in this area to help you get what you want, because really, we all have dreams and goals, desires, um, and we want to see those happen, and so to think that you know we can do it all completely on our own is pretty pretty arrogant to think that we can just figure this all out. Yes. We can't do anything alone. Um, we weren't meant to be like that. So to be able to bring other people in to give us advice and wisdom and resources and to think, okay, let's bring the right people in to connect with us, whether that's a coach, whether that's you know your graphic designer, your marketer, whoever that is, to make sure you're really making those yes. wise decisions. Well, like I said earlier, can really change the world. I mean- even it, I don't care what your company is. I don't care what your organization is. Um, you're making an effort to make a, ma a mark in the world. Yes. And I want to make it, I want to get, I want to give people a, a, talking about recruiting and courage. I'm going to give people the most actionable, simple step that I can give you that will totally, if you, if you are having hiring issues or you need to change some of the people on your team, I'm going to give you the most actionable, doable, uh, step that you can turn around tomorrow and put into play right away. And it's this. Identify your best team members and ask them, hey, do you know anyone else like you looking for an opportunity? Identify your best clients, customers and ask them, hey, do you know anyone like you looking for a great opportunity? Identify your favorite friends and family members and ask them, hey, do you know anyone like you looking for a great opportunity? Here's a fact of life. Birds of Birds of a feather flock together. 
So your greatest team members hang out with other amazing humans. I promise you. And I promise they know someone who's seeking an opportunity. Your greatest clients and customers hang out with amazing people. They know someone looking for a great opportunity. And so just taking that one small step in teaching your people how to recruit through that one question, I can promise you any business of any size has at their fingertips 5, 10, 100 people that are within an arm's reach that might just be the person that's going to come in and unlock their next level of success. And it's literally that simple. Oh, that's awesome. That's such great advice. Thanks, Mitch. Hey, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I want to ask you my two famous questions that I ask every single one of my guests. And the first one is, uh, yes. what does integrity mean to you? And I think you've already told us the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyways. I'm going to shape my answer a little differently just to make it fun. In- integrity to me means being able to look in the mirror at your reflection and being fully grateful with your presence and with who you have become. Hmm. A deep gratitude, be able to accept yourself. Yes. That's, yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. What about well-being and balance? So we, when we're talking a lot to leaders, it's really easy to go, 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 go. And, um, and, be stressed about some of these things like the hiring, all the things that you have on your list for your business, hiring and culture and mission and vision, plus the product and marketing and all that stuff. How, how do you in your life um, maintain balance and what is balance? What do you think balance looks like? So uh, balance to me is actually a myth. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 I think it's this mythical character that we search for and I don't actually think it exists. Um, uh, and I actually took on that perspective quite a few years ago um, in trying to seek balance. I'm like, it really doesn't exist. I just need to be fully present where I am. And that relates to my next response. And that is, y- you can only give to others from the well of life that you have within yourself. And so it's very difficult to give yourself fully to others when you haven't given to yourself fully. Um Taking time for yourself, loving yourself, falling in love with yourself, taking care of your mind, body, spirit. Um, We joked about going to the gym, but seriously, physical activity, eating well, um, being proactive in those areas is critically important to being able to pour into others. And so, you know, we can call that balance or we can call it whatever. I just, I just think when we make a decision, to say, you know what, I'm going to meal prep and I'm going to make sure I strategically put into my body what I want to get out of it. I'm going to go to the gym five days a week and work out. I'm going to go on a hike. I'm going to go play golf, whatever that looks like. I'm just going to go outside for a walk. Um, I know what it looks like for me. Others have to discover what it looks like for themselves. But what I do know from firsthand experience is that when we don't learn to invest in ourselves first, it becomes incredibly difficult to invest in others. And so that to me is the key to finding uh, that practice and that wholeness in life. Yeah, you know, I think that you contradicted yourself there because I think you did explain balance quite well. <laughs> you know, I I, <laughs> I, I just, I, I tend to not use that. Yeah, I tend <laughs> to not use that word because I'm like, 
people say balance and they go, okay, my schedule now, I'm like, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that they, they don't believe that balance exists. Um, but I really do believe it does. And it's, um, from what you said that, that filling of yourself up with, with that well being so that you can pour out of yourself to, to give to others. Um, but it doesn't look like you're balanced all the time. And we've talked about this in other episodes and so I won't get into yes. it a ton yes. right now. And that's a whole, like, I mean, I, I coach people on this all the time so I can talk about it all day, but it's really just like that, that knowing that, like you said, that wellness inside yourself and having that in such a place and being able to be present in that moment um, so that you can continue to do these wonderful things that you love to do and change lives and, and lead the way and hire great people, build great company cultures, but to do that in a way that's sustainable um, so that you're, you're not exhausted because um, and that's part of what you talked about, that company culture and why that matters. And we'll be part of what you create that company culture. Do we want to be a company that that allows people to run themselves ragged? You know, is how are we how are we incorporating balance into our company culture? I think that's really important. Well, hey, yeah. um, this has really been a helpful conversation. I love that we had some practical tips in here. I think that those are really helpful. Um, and I I think that this is. Uh, worth a future conversation. And I hope that um, we can have you back on the podcast again to talk about um, a little bit more, even more in depth, because this is a really, really important thing. And I know a lot of leaders struggle with it. So before we go, is there anything else you want to make sure that our listeners hear about? Well, anything. I want to make sure you haven't left anything unsaid. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I've left a lot of things unsaid. I I don't know that I, I, we don't have time for them today, because I think we can go on forever. (laughs) Um, First of all, thank you so much. I was really looking forward to this conversation. And and I want to let people know I'm going to have you on my show um, very soon as well. So I'm excited for that. I would just say, um, to, to close things out, just, just make sure that you're being, you, you asked the question of integrity. And I want to reflect back on that a little bit. And that is just make sure that you're being true to yourself. Um, you know, I, I often think what leads to a lot of burnout, what leads to a lot of mental, emotional health, challenges is that we really lose sight of who we are. And that can definitely happen in the business world, especially when you're running a small business, you're often wearing so many hats. Um, But just make sure that you're having the integrity to be true to yourself. And when you do that, I'm going to circle back to how we began the conversation. When you do that, the universe just seems to put things into play that turn all of this into the greatest miracle you could ever wish for. And so just hold on to that as kind of your stake in the ground to be true to who you are, be true to your passion, and be true to the reason that you stepped out into this courage in the first place. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's a great way to to close off today. Mitch, thank you so much for your wisdom, expertise, advice. Um, we'll make sure to check out your podcast and your book. All that info will be in the show notes. Um, and we look forward to having you on the podcast again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this journey to grow in our leadership. If you enjoyed this episode, you've got to check out the leadership and self-care coaching programs on my website at kylacofer.com. Let's change the world together.